What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. All right, we want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we're privileged to have Miss Michelle Cameron on with us today. She is a passionate writer with evident zeal that can be found on display within her various projects. Uh, she's known for having a brilliant repertoire and she's known as a skillful writer. Uh, she began to nurture her writing gift at the tender age of 15. She released her first book, It's My Life and I Live Here, One Woman's Journey in 2011. And that was just the beginning. She's released four other books since then. Michelle also spends time encouraging singles via New Jersey Single Empowerment. She started this in 2016 and the Single Parent Hub, which is a Facebook page that she has where she's connecting with people. Uh, lastly, but sh- certainly not least, Michelle uses the art of public speaking and also utilizes social media outlets to inspire and uplift men and women with her personal testimony. Michelle is a proud mother of one son, which I'm sure she's going to tell you about, who is actually, you know, he's a very tall and uh, handsome young man who's just went off to college. So a lot of exciting things to talk about. We have somebody who's very interesting, somebody I am interested in hearing more about. And without further ado, I want to introduce the Niche Finder podcast to Miss Michelle Carroll. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. So we want to get right into it, right? So why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey? So I believe that everyone has at least one book inside of them. So I'm starting there. Um, Because of the fact that I have a passionate drive and and just I just want to see everybody write something about themselves, their lives, whatever their their journey has been. Um, I believe that because of that, you will want to talk with me. You will want to hear what I have to say. Um, I've experienced quite a few things along my journey that led me to this point. And of course, as I speak with um, Cliff today, he will 
have us talk about that. But um, I just want you to be aware that you have a book in you. I believe that you can write. I believe almost anybody can write a book. And that's the mm. part. That's the hook, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, so at the start of your journey, what did you want to accomplish? Well, um, when I started out, I did not have any huge goals or anything like that. What it was, it was just a lady that sat down one day and said, I'm going to just write my story. Um, in fact, I started writing, as the bio said, from when I was about 15. I had always had a love for books. My mother was an English teacher and a librarian. And so books were a part of my life all my life. And then I sat down, 15, wrote a short story. It was published in a, a national magazine in our country of origin. I'm originally from Jamaica. And That's then, and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> when, I, when I relocated to the United States, I didn't write for a very long time. And then I wrote again um, shortly after my marriage ended. Mm. And I sat down, poured out my heart in that book, and I thought that would be it. I really had no big ambitions for anything. So I started with just a book in mind. That's all it was. But it has turned into so much more over the years. And um, the, my story is, is just, <laughs> it amazes me when I think about it. Yeah. Mm. But you know, I was joking around with you a little bit earlier, but when I start to look to see from the time that you started writing in 2011, I think your next book, you could actually call it How to Become a Book Factory because you literally had, it's like <laughs> 2011, 2014, 2016, 2018, 2020. And then just to kind of, you know, show that you can really, you know, even add a little bit more style to it, you start putting even out an ebook, you know, for, <laughs> say, look, I could do more than just a hard cop so and then also 2021 uh you will release the anniversary edition of your it's all oh, i see i'm gonna see so unfortunately they don't, they're people not gonna see the see the, the video but she just showed me a beautiful cover of her of her first book it's a 10-year edition of it's my life i live here one woman's story so what external struggles did you find yourself up against at the start of your journey um, I think one of the main struggles I had was the finances because when it's time to publish, well, back then publishing is easier now. Publishing is actually cheaper now. Yeah. But when I first started, I paid quite a bit of money to get my first book out. And, um, I, I guess I didn't know what it would entail financially. So it was a challenge to do that, but I felt like it was worth the money to do it at that time. So at that point, that was my main um, struggle. So this external struggle. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. mm, mm. So because I know a little bit about you, I think I, I, I'm fascinated by your being able to blend that scientific mind. Cause you, you have a, um, is it bio, bio, yeah. biomedical? Bio no, just bio. I have a bio, bio degree. Okay. Yeah. Bio degree. And so you have that science side of you that this is what you were working as a, as a profession. But then now you got this, the art also the other side, other hemisphere of your brain is also actively involved. As you can see the book factory, we just talked about the book factory. <laughs> How is it that you are able to bring the two of those together? Normally they're like two separate people. 
I don't know. I think I, it just was naturally from uh, natural for me. I was actually I used to draw a lot. I drew a lot. I've always had a creative bent to me. Um, I sang for years. Um, there's a lot of things that I do that are creative on my side here. So the scientific part and the creative part. They're just me, you know. All of it is me, and it just comes together for me naturally. I understand what you're saying because I do know people who are specifically scientific, and they don't have any artistic abilities. And then, of course, you have the artists who may not be interested in science or anything like that. I don't know. God made me this way. Yes, what God made you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. Now, you know, it's interesting because. You know, in my book, Dream Octane, The Seven Steps to Discover, Develop, and Deliver Your Niche, one thing that I found in that research was as I was studying about just different ways of experts delivering their expertise, in that section, I stumbled stumbled across poets and how poets are, you know, or writers, people with that side, they, they are skilled not only in literature, but they're skilled at problem solving. And the problem that they solve is they make complex problems simple. Mm-hmm. And so there is a science inside of the the art form, right? Like it's, and you may take a complicated problem and, and you know, you, you write about it. It's my life is a complicated subject and you write about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you find a way to, uh, to condense it down into something that people can read and, and be, ref- be refreshed by, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. And um, the other thing too, I should mention um, over the years, what has evolved is writing coaching. So I am actually helping a lot of new authors find their voice and a lot of the complications of writing and publishing. I have been able to actually distill it down, make it as simple as possible, easy to understand. And so when they see that information, they're like, wow, I didn't know it was so, it sounds easy when I describe it to you. So uh, that's another way as well, where, you know, your scientific, creative Mm. way of of distilling everything down, making it easier to understand. Mm. I love it, man. Uh, You know, so we talked about your external struggles. What internal struggles did you have during your journey? So definitely one of the main internal struggles I had was fear. Mm. I was afraid because it's one thing to talk to your friends about what you're going through and what you've experienced. It's a whole different thing to put it in a book and publish it so that everybody can read it. And you don't, you have no control over where the information goes. Um, the first Mm. edition of this book has been in, um, England, in Canada, in different countries in the Caribbean. Um, I believe in, in Africa as well. There's a couple countries there that have people have bought copies. So the story's everywhere. I can't pull it back. (laughs) Right? Right. Right. And so there was that fear of sharing my life with people some of them i'll never meet and some who i know very well you know they decided to buy a copy so it was it was it was a challenge and um i had to pray that through to to get to to the point of being bold enough to let it go and let it be published Mm. 
Yeah. It does take a lot of courage to be transparent. As simple yeah. as it may sound, not everybody is brazen or have that confidence. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, when you when you put in your your insides, uh, you turn yourself inside out, it is a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Um, what what roadblocks did you find yourself running up against? So one of the roadblocks that I was facing was I was concerned about the reaction of at least one person that was in my story, right? Um, I was concerned that there was going to be some, possibly some legal issues as a result. And so that was one of the main things I was afraid of. And what I did instead was I put like a disclaimer in the very beginning of the book to explain that this was me telling my story and this was not meant to be um, something to harm anyone or to, to get back at anyone. It was just me saying, this is what I've been through. This is what I've experienced. And the lessons that I learned along the way were also included. So, mm. Yeah. What epiphany did you experience and what new opportunity did you discover from that event? So when the book was released, um, like I said, I was surprised at the responses of the people. Um, A lot of people um, were encouraged and uplifted by what was written, but then it opened other doors. I have been interviewed by several people. I've done live interviews as well, like radio, um, things like that. I have also gone on to write other books, as Cliff had mentioned, because of that drive now. I didn't know that was there. It now fuels me now to write others. I have two unfinished books right now that I need Mm. to to complete as well. But um, those are some of the things. Doors have opened. Um, My face, I think, is more a little bit more recognizable in some Mm. circles. So I think... um, I never planned for this. I didn't know this would happen, but this is what has happened. (laughs) Mm. I love it. So in a snapshot, that's your niche. I I just want to wet the palate for people so that they can, when we, you know, give them a a way to get in contact with you, us wetting the palate right now will, will make them want to pull up to your table. So that's really what the goal is. So just a snapshot into what your journey is. But for right now, I want to go to the very next section, which is your niche, right? And we see the niches being five things. I call it the five P framework. And the first one that I will ask you from the one, the first P is passions. What do you have strong interests? What do you do that when you do it, you say, man, this ignites me. So one of the things that really lights my face up is when I get a chance to share with a group of people who have never even considered much more than a thought of writing a book and I show them and I break everything down to them and I see the light bulbs go off in their faces because I usually do it virtually on video and I see their faces light up because they're getting what I'm saying and they see the possibility of them doing the same thing. And so, and then of course my bigger excitement is when they actually do it. So they put Mm. everything into practice, they publish their books and many of them have become actually best-selling authors. So when they become a best-selling author, they post that of course on social media and I'm right there with them celebrating. So between Mm. 
guiding them through the process and celebrating with them when it's all said and done. Those are the two highlights. Those are the two things that really excite me. Mm. (laughs) What do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that when you do it, you say, I feel like I was made for this moment. So definitely guiding people through, as I mentioned before, but I think another thing that um, comes to me now too is writing, just writing, um, sharing, whether even when I post on social media, I feel it's like a, a way to encourage others. It's a way to uplift others. I spend a lot of my time there because that's really my goal is to mm-hmm. encourage and uplift others. And so I write on that. I write books as you've heard. And as I said before, encouraging people as I coach them through the process of learning how to do their own, write their own books. Hmm. Yeah. And what patterns do you have or what patterns, what do you do naturally well? So naturally well, I edit naturally well because I'm also an editor and I also feel that I write naturally well as well. So, um, it's easy for me to just sit down. You tell me what topic you want me to write on. And if it's a topic that I'm very familiar with, I can produce something very fast. Two of my books were written within a three hour time frame. So I just sat down and I just dumped everything. I just organized it afterwards and the book was done. Just needed to be edited in three Mm. hours. So, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's something that I, I really enjoy. And <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> hey, you got to touch it. You got to touch it like some some savant or something going on. Hey, you got like a special <laughs> gift or something. Like, three hours. I was about to say like, oh, I wrote it in three months. He was like three hours. I had to listen again. You, you looked at me and said it again. Yeah, three hours. I said it. What are you gonna do about it? No, it's cool. I think that that's that. That is just like it speaks to your gift. It speaks to your niche. And it's a perfect example of what you do naturally well, right? I mean, I think one thing that happens is that we, um, some people don't do what you do. Some people don't take serious the thing that they do easily, right? And I think they sometimes kind of overlook it or they may diminish it because, ah, you know, if it's easy for me, it must be easy for everybody. But they don't, they miss the opportunity to see that that actually is something that makes them interesting. It's actually something that makes them distinct or genuine. And so I really appreciate you you sharing that because uh, for some, you know, I heard this one guy say like for what's what's a uh, how did he put it Myron Gold Golden he actually put it he said what is a dream for you is a memory for me in other words he's saying I've already been down that path I, I I've already I know what that journey's already like and so like you coaching people maybe they not they may not write it in three hours obviously because you you're at a level of excellence But you can at least, I'm sure, help them write it in a certain given amount of time that's still acceptable. It won't be three decades. It won't be three (laughs) decades, right? (laughs) That's that's awesome. All right. So um, proficiencies. Proficiencies is the different, is the same coin, different side. But this is not what you do naturally well. It's what you learn to do well over time. What do you consider to be your proficiency? Okay, so one of the things that I would say is a proficiency now for me is leading a class. 
Um, before I knew information, I could tell you things, but um, facilitating a course and facilitating a class, there's a different skill set that's needed for that because you have to be engaging. You have to know how to pull the audience in. If you feel that they're pulling away from you, you have to know how to pull them back in. You have to know how to package the information in such a way where it's appealing and it's easy to understand. So it took me a little while to learn that skill. In fact, I learned that in corporate America. That's where I learned a lot of those things because I was, um, I trained people there. And so I, you know, you, you, as you do it, you tweak, you kind of pull things out, put things in, you try things and then you get, um, basically like a format that you realize works. So that's one thing, um, I've had to work at. And, um, another thing, if you allow me to say is speaking publicly, you know, standing on a stage and presenting, I'm still working on that, but I believe that I have some of the tools that I need to make it even better to bring it out even more. Mm. You know, um, Dale Carnegie has a great book um, called The Art of Public Speaking. I don't know if you ever um, read that book, but he shares an he shares a an example of an analogy of what it means to um, have to practice when it comes down to public speaking. And what he said was um, he had two horses that were next to the railroad track. One horse, as the train rolled by, it didn't even flinch. Right. It didn't flinch at all. Then when you look down maybe a half a mile down down you know next to the tracks you see a horse just jumping up in the air and the handler is just trying to you know growl the horse in and try to get it from not bolting off or harming itself while the train is going by and so when someone asked the person who was observing what was going on between the two horses and like okay why do these why one horse you know act like you know it, it's it's not a big deal that the train is going by another one and he says because the horse that didn't get affected it's by the railroad track every day it eats grass here every day it's used to it every day is what they do and he likened that to when you have something that you're trying to refine you got to do it as much as possible it takes the fear and anxiety out of it whereas the the handler who had the other horse that was the first time him coming next to the railroad track he was startled by this big old thing that's riding by him and so I hear you as far. I, I, I love it that you already have a proficiency and now it's, it's almost in my book. I call it like, the, you, you know, this is like your second iteration. Your public speaking is like your second iteration of your uh, of you finding your niche. It's it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. All right. Problem solving. What challenges do people come to you solve in a unique way? So one of the problems that I've been presented with um, in different forms, but it's pretty much the same problem, is how to get a story out of them onto paper. And it may sound like um, it's not a big deal just sitting down and write. And that's what I used to say at the very beginning until I started talking to different people. And I'm realizing it's not that easy. Yeah. It's really not that easy. Especially if you're writing about something that's emotional. 
something that is basically your life. And a lot of my clients that I've worked with, whether one-on-one or in workshop settings, a lot of them are writing their life story. And so a lot of emotion is involved. A lot of memories are popping up. Um, Some of them maybe even unwanted memories. And so you have to find a way to work through the emotional and the mental part of it to get to what you need to get to. So over the years, I've learned how to present that, how to get that to people, how to help them to filter through all of that and get to where they need to get to. It's been, it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding work and I really enjoy it. And people have been recommending me to others and things like that. So um, this is something that I I know I've been able to help people with. Mm. In the same problem solving vein, mm-hmm. do you find it helpful or is it recommended as you're writing and um, maybe to have like a counselor if you're dealing with like a heavy subject of, of sorts? Yes, I've started recently to recommend that to my clients. So several of my clients, in fact, my last one on one client, he started therapy, I think, while he was writing his book with me. And he's continued with it. And I, I applaud him for that because I, I realized the things he was writing about, I was getting upset over some of it too. So I'm like, okay, so if it's affecting me and it wasn't my story, it has to be affecting him. And so that's, um, that's definitely something that I recommend nowadays is that people go to counseling while they are writing their books. Mm. Um, so... I, I I love it because I think it's important to know that we we love like writing, we love creating, we love turning the intangible that's in our mind into a tangible that we can see and hold in you know um you know on paper or as a book. And I and I think that I'm glad you were able to just really bring that out because we the writer's block could be some trauma that we have experienced, right? And and maybe our body is just trying to shut us down, our mind is trying to say let's not touch that and we may need to have somebody who can come alongside us to help get us over those hurdles or barriers that we may find ourselves up against so thank you for for sharing that um what secrets do you what secrets okay this is the secret section now we want to get we want to we want to get michelle Cameron to talk to her younger self but you know this is someone 15 15 years ago you know i i don't know i want to i want to say 20 years ago but that's probably gonna put you as like nine years old i, I don't even know how old you just go <laughs> but whatever it is you been you set the age of what you consider to be young let's make it your 16 year old self be that you talk about that uh you know you talked about about 15 year old self right so now you're talking to your 15 year old self what secrets would you tell your 15 year old self to help accelerate her from where she is at that moment in time to where you are today I would say to her to be confident in what she is good at Mm. it was hard for me to feel confident at first mainly because there's that comparison thing in our heads all of us, I think, go through it. We'll see somebody else doing something. And it's like, oh, they're better at it than I am. So then you want to gather up all of your things and go back home because you think you're not good enough. I've learned over the years that everybody has a different level of proficiency and 
um, and expertise. And some of us are really good at what we do, but because we are quiet about it, people think we're not that good, right? Mm. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you're bragging. It doesn't mean that you are showing off. It just means that you're confident in who you are, how you were created, and the gifts that you were given. And you want to utilize them to the best of your ability so that others are helped. Because that's the thing. I have to keep in the forefront of my mind too. tell myself that what you're doing, it's not about you. It's more about the people that you are positioned to help. So then that kind of takes away the self-consciousness of it. Where you're like always like, oh my God, I'm so this, I'm so that. But if you're passionate and you're pouring into somebody else, you don't have time to even look at you. You're looking at them, whoever the them is, and you're pouring into them and you're giving and you're sharing and whatever it is that you're doing. And that, um, that helps you to, to just focus on the right things. What, what, what secrets would you tell your younger self to staying consistent? I would say to myself, to not shrink back if you don't get the outcome or the result that you think you're going to get when you do something. So let's say you publish a book and not a lot of people bought it. And I've had that experience. That doesn't mean that you stop writing. It means that you continue to write because you may be writing the next bestseller, right? Mm. So you don't want to stop writing because the last book you wrote was a disaster and it probably wasn't a disaster. It probably just meant maybe you didn't market it well or something like that. Right. So it's just a case of keep going, keep writing, keep sharing because you have things inside of you to share with the world and you don't want to stop because something happened or something didn't work the way you thought it should have. So I love Martin Luther King's quote. He says, if a man is called to be a a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. What level of intensity do you believe one must have in order to express their niche? I believe that when you are in your niche, you need to pour your whole heart into it. Mm. Because the thing is, when you don't pour your whole heart into it, we don't know whether this is really your niche, right? Because Mm. you're not as passionate. I find that when people are in their niche, You can tell because first things flow really fast and second, the passion is there. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can sense it. It's there. Um, You can almost touch it. So when you're passionate, you're going to just pour everything into that moment, into that person, into that scenario, whatever that is. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I have last couple questions that I have for you, but we got to stay in contact. I know I've known you for years, but something about this conversation that makes me want to adopt you into my family now is like, <laughs> it's, my, it's my sister right here. <laughs> I love it. You, you fascinate. I'm fascinated by your perspective around things. And it's so refreshing. Um, if you were to give the niche finder community some action items, some must haves 
to helping them discover their niche or develop it, what would some action items be for them? I would say first, I would put even put write it down. Um, what are the things that are you're good at that come easy to you? Mm-hmm. What is it that you, it just flows from you almost like drinking water, <laughs> you know, yeah. something like breathing. Yes. Whatever it is that you you see that you're good at. You're good at reading. You're good at writing. You're good at painting. Um, you drive really well. I mean, there's so many different things. There's a career, basically, or a, um, a, a, I don't know what, how to describe it, but there's always something attached to an, um, a thing that you're really good at. Yeah. Or if you are a good reader, and this might sound really funny, but if you're a good reader, can you imagine how many um, scripts you could read out loud? You know, you can mm. actually be um, a narrator, maybe yeah. for a show, or you can actually do um, audiobooks and get paid mm. good money mm. for that. Yeah. Um, you can do voiceovers. You can do so many things. And that might sound funny when I said reader, but when you hear voiceover artists, when you hear audiobook artists, then you realize that there's so much you can do with that. So think of all the things you're really good at that come very easily to you and think how you can take that to the maximum and mm. just start just start there. When you put mm. that when you put that on paper, you'll have a lot in front of you and you can start working towards whatever direction it is that you need to go. Mm. That's good stuff right there. Um, last question that I have for you is how do you know when it's time to change course versus stay in focus on your goal? This is a hard question. Um, for me, what I did the last couple of years during the pandemic was I started testing things. So I did workshops, I did different formats of things, and there were things I did that nothing happened with. I spent money and I didn't make any money. And so I realized, okay, that's something I, that's probably not for me. And Mm. there were other things that I actually worked on, made money, but realized I didn't enjoy. So then I pulled back on those things and try to reimagine it in a way that I know I would love. And that's what I have been doing over the past couple of years. Just, just that alone. Um, I've spent a lot of money doing that, but at the same time, it has helped to clarify for me where I want to, to be in the next maybe five, 10 years where I can stay in that little section until something else opens up. Cause you know, there's always something that's going to open up and take you in a different direction. Yeah. Mm. So we get to the PS, the resistance. How does someone get in contact with you? What handles are you using? How do they reach out and touch you? Okay. So on social media, my handle is mainly Michelle G Cameron LLC. So you can find me on Facebook as that. I have a Facebook page. Um, You can also find me on Instagram as that as well. Michelle G. Cameron, LLC. Michelle with two L's. M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Initial G. Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, LLC. 
That's on Instagram and Facebook. And my website, you can go there. You'll find everything about me on my website. It's www.michellegcameron.com. That's www.michellegcameron.com. You'll find all my social media handles at the very bottom of that screen and all the different things I do, links to everything there. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so, you know, and it's such a privilege having Michelle Cameron on today. Um, you know, I really can spend so much time talking to you. We definitely got to pick up more, so much more that I need to, uh, to talk to you about. But I just want to just, uh, let the community know that um, also if you want to get in contact with us you can also reach me on uh, Clifton C. Manning uh, on Instagram you know if you're if you're interested in learning more about how to find your niche how to discover develop or deliver it uh, we have uh, the Dream Octane Niche Finder Academy that's going to be launching soon. So if you follow me on Instagram and just DM me that you know you're interested in that, we can definitely get you connected to that website that will help accelerate you from where you are to where you want to be. Um, by way of just making it easier for you to go online, we're going to have some tutorials that's on there. It's going to be a lot of things that I spent a lot of time having to research or spend money on. We are giving it to you for free. At least uh, there are about three three different trainings that are in there that can really get people to uh, you know an accelerated level. We also give you a template that you can customize. There's a whole lot of stuff that's going to be on there, and also the platform, ClickFunnels platform, you can use for like 14, 14 days to see if all of this stuff makes sense to you. And even if it doesn't, at least you'll have a little bit of education to go on to the next thing if you so choose to do that. But my goal is to just add value as much as we can and secondly is you know i know this has been in the oven but i i got back today and i'm still doing a tennis match with the person formatting my book right now dream octane the seven steps to discover develop and to deliver your niche uh it is a labor of love I, my first book i did all of this stuff on my own i did the typeset i did the drop caps i did all of that stuff on my, on my own so i know what it feels like to grind and, and michelle's laughing at me uh we, we've been you know been there so this one i actually I, I got some help on it and it's 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 really fun but what's going to be most exciting is being able to give it to you in your hands and and anybody who's listening and if you've been listening for a while you know i've been plugging this for a minute but but we're closer than we ever been <laughs> we're closer than we've ever been uh but we're not quite there yet but i can see see the finish line as a matter of fact i almost feel like i'm reach, reach out and touch the finish line but it will come to you sooner rather than later and we appreciate everybody just tuning in today we appreciate michelle cameron for being on a program today and we look forward to having the next guest on our show who can help you on your journey towards success thank you for tuning in today and we'll see you soon <laughs>